Welcome to Gateway Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Gateway Church Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information about Gateway Church, please visit our website, gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk. Thank you for listening. You may remember that when we looked at the opening chapter of uh, the letter to the Galatians, we saw how Paul recognised the degree of influence he had over people as an apostle. But nonetheless, he asked himself the question, who am I trying to please? Is it God or is it man? And his concern was that the Galatians were being encouraged to deviate from the truth by people who were coming in amongst them and preaching different kinds of legalism and false doctrine. And so it's against that backdrop that Paul continues. This is what he writes. Then, after 14 years... I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, although privately those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles, in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. Yet because many of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And from those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God knows no no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men... Sorry, for before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. So that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. 
But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to him before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavour to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Amen. Many of you will know that I grew up in a family that went to a Methodist church. Throughout my childhood, I went to church. I went to Sunday school, with the exception of one small period when um, I was in rebellion at the age of four. Um, I refused to go to Sunday school for a while and preferred to stay in the main service with my parents. And that was all to do with the fact that in beginners, we had to sit on the floor while the teachers were allowed to sit on chairs. I was a man of principle, even at that tender age of four. But it wasn't until I was about 13 that the reality of what Christ had done for me hit home. And at that point, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. Even then, although I probably wouldn't have seen it at the time, I was trying to work things out in my own strength. Being a Christian seemed to be about what I did. Going to church on Sundays, most weeks twice. Attending the youth group. Trying to pray regularly. Remembering to read my Bible. Somehow, I felt there had to be something more. And this is where these Christians in Galatia found themselves. They felt there had to be something more. And there were plenty of people around who were happy to tell them what it was. It's simple. If you want more out of life, go and be circumcised. 
That will make you the same as us. It will make you Jewish. But circumcision was not the answer. And Paul could see that. But what he was feeling, he heard from God, was so controversial that even Paul felt he needed to go and check it out with the other apostles in Jerusalem. And then, of course, he saw that on on a later date that Peter was being swayed by the political force that was being pushed forward by the circumcision party. Those who said that to follow Jesus, you had to be circumcised like a Jew. So much so that he challenges him on the issue. The truth of the matter is that the something more has nothing to do with being circumcised. And I'm sure there's a great number of men around today who are glad about that. I discovered what it was when I was about 16. I became involved with a group who were practicing for a Christian musical that was touring the country. The main actors and the main characters all toured the country, but in each location where it was being put on, there was a local choir formed who did the backing music and sang the songs. And as I met with others in that choir to practice week after week, I began to feel that they had something I was missing. So much so that I asked God to give it to me. And he did. One night when I just quietly prayed for that something that was missing, everything changed. My decision to follow Christ turned into a personal relationship. My prayer life changed from an attempt to pray to a start of a conversation. Attending started to become meeting with God. And reading the Bible became a pleasure because it opened up new life what I found out was that God wants us to experience a life changing life empowering connection with Jesus it's one that puts our normal Christian life into overdrive and it starts right here in Galatians chapter 2 Living the Christian life is not about following certain rules or regulations or even customs. It's not about ritual. It's about a lifelong, life-changing connection with God. In verse 19, Paul writes... For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. In order to experience the fullness of the Christian life, you have to be crucified with Christ. And you have to be open to the action of his spirit in us. Let's look at this briefly. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This is a theme that Paul spreads everywhere he goes. In his letter to the Romans, this is what he writes. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to adapt our thinking. We have to adopt this mindset. It isn't me who lives anymore. It is Christ who lives in me. And we're not talking about a one-off event here. It's something we have to do daily to constantly remind ourselves about. We have to remind ourselves to surrender to Christ and to his spirit which is alive in us. We live through Christ. And if that isn't radical enough, Paul carries on. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. He tells us how we can move forward from this point of recognising the change in our lives. How when you yield yourself to Christ's lordship in your life, the next step is to move forward in faith, just as if your prayers have already been answered. Because they have been. Whether we feel it or not. We know that because in Philippians 4, it gives us the confidence. It says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The Christian life is not about following religious rituals. It's about being connected to Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit through faith. And then Paul reminds us that we are reliant on God's grace. But it's not about anything we can say or do. He says, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. He reminds us that if our salvation and our justification could have been achieved by observing the letter of the law, by following the rules and regulations, then Christ would never have needed to die. His suffering... And his death on the cross would have been totally in vain. We've got to remember, we will never get to the point where we can earn God's salvation. It's all about his grace. His undeserved love and favour on us. There's that song we sometimes sing. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. There's nothing I can do 
to make him love me less. God's love for us is ceaseless and immense. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works. So that no one may boast. If we want something more in our Christian lives, something beyond just mere religion and ritual, we have to abandon once and for all the idea that we will ever be in a position to earn God's favour. His favour is just totally undeserved. In fact, unless we recognise that, Jesus warned us that we're in real trouble. This is from Luke 18. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, could not even lift up his eyes to heaven. But he beat his breast, saying, God be merciful on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The concept of grace is so scandalous that it caused Paul to write, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Having recognised the outrageous truth that Christ died for our sin, not only undeserved, but seemingly unlimited, stretching from the earliest day of our days to the very last, taking in every wrong deed and thought, and instead pouring love and blessing on us, instead of what we deserve. Paul continues, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. That in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like this, 
we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For no one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ Jesus. And then as we live the new life, we need to recognise we live it for the kingdom. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. We have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who lives. It is Christ who lives in us. The life we live now is one of faith. It's to be characterised and covered by grace. And it's for the extension of the kingdom. We're going to have a time of worship. But I just want to encourage you to ask yourself some questions. Do you want to experience something more in your relationship with God? Do you know there are areas of your life that have yet to be crucified and put to death? Are you living in the power and the energy of a living relationship with Jesus? Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to prompt and to guide your decisions? Are you seeking the kingdom? Or are you looking for something more? Because if you are, there is the opportunity here this morning to put your old life to death. To be crucified with Christ. To nail those old habits, those old thoughts and those attitudes to the cross and to leave them there. And to then pick up a new life in Christ and in the power of his Holy Spirit. I just want to encourage you as we worship, as we focus on Jesus. Take that opportunity this morning. If during the worship you feel you'd like someone to pray with you, just ask someone you know. We're all friends here. We can all pray with one another. But let's go out of here this morning different because of our encounter with Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. 
Don't forget to visit gatewaychurchdoncaster.org.uk.